Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of uthdynasty.com. And we are here. We have official NFL news. We have official NFL injuries. Uh, The one thing, Katie, we do not have is... Uh, actual NFL preseason. Um, so that is something that is notably missing. Exactly. And I, I just have to say, and and comment as you will, but for dynasty owners, I know redraft, maybe the preseason isn't overly impactful for folks that are in 16 to 18 man rosters with kicker and defense with their buddies at work. But for, for those that go 25, 30 plus deep on, on many rosters around your leagues, uh, this is really the lifeblood, you know, getting to see players that don't play the first 15 minutes of a, of a preseason game. You know, they might be buried, but this is the preseason is the only chance maybe for a 12 month cycle until the preseason again, where we get to see certain players uh, that are fighting for roster spots. They may make those roster spots. They might be on practice squads, but I just, you know, we can complain about, you know, is it, you know, truly a competitive environment? You know, the games themselves, if, yeah, if you're, if you're focused on who won or lost, you know, <laughs> the, the preseason game, but, uh, but in just, it, just watching tape, even if it's twos versus twos or three, threes versus threes, that's all we get. You know, and and I feel like these, especially deeper leagues, these final roster spots that we have, you know, we're fly, we're going to be flying blind. And we were joking about it a little bit before we started recording. I mean, going just based on training camp news and tidbits and snippets, uh, that to me is not going to satiate my palate, uh, to to use a food term, uh, in terms of some of these, you know, running back three, four, five practice squad new rookies or second year players we haven't seen. That's not going to do it for me, and yet that's all we got this year, Katie. Yeah, it's uh, there's not going to be any boxes to check. We're going to have to fly blind, as you mentioned, and it, it's just going to be a crazy year it already started off that way and i don't see it i don't see it slowing down yeah um so how do you handle camp buzz news in august and we're not talking so and so actually got hurt um but how do you handle or absorb or translate to some semblance of this affects my team and players to you know so and so is having a good camp look at so and so you know, in seven on sevens, you know, win for a long touchdown. Like, how does that how does that hit or don't not doesn't hit in, in Katie's uh, sphere of knowledge? You and I have both been to the Senior Bowl together twice. <laughs> We've seen guys practice. We have heard the buzz, and it really typically does not mean a thing because. It doesn't matter what you do when the clock's not on. It matters what you do when you're in game pads in a game situation. The The buzz is just hype. 
if if it elevates a player for you, if a guy's getting elevated that you picked in a late round and you really don't have a lot of faith in, it's a good chance, a good opportunity to flip them for a quick sale and not have to worry. Maybe make a two-for-one deal so that you've got one less person to cut and get somebody that you have more faith, more belief in for the long term. And that's about it. There really isn't a lot of meat to be gleaned and and I'll use more food analogies <laughs> with the meat and everything, but uh, there's not a lot of substance there. There's a lot of coach speak, and it's more often than not not representative of the full story. Yeah, the one thing that that also caught me is I, I what the, here's where I thought you were going when you referenced the senior old bowl, which is we've been there before, and it's interesting because what's quote unquote coming out of camp. Can or you know, or out of the senior bowl can be different from person to person. You know, so and so looked great. Well, so and so looked average. Uh, you know, I thought this person was the third best wide receiver on the field, and other people are like standout day by wide receiver X. Yeah. So it really, it really does. It, you know, who's interpreting the information? Do you trust the person and the the you know whatever the resource is that is distilling this down? And it. It just thinks because that's all we have, you know, that we're not going to get those games. Yeah. And here's what I wonder. Are we going to, is this year going to prove in some macro sense, hey, we don't need, is it going to be agreed upon out of the new NFL? Oh, look, you know, things were fine. The starters don't play that much. Any, but, I mean, I would think the, the NFL team perspective would be similar to Deep Dynasty owners, which is, this is good. This is we need this. You know, this is about the back end of your roster. And I would guess just like what you said, NFL teams would prefer to have those guys, you know, roster spots 40 through 85 fighting for roster spots, showing what they can do in game action for, you know, a quarter here, two quarters here, a total of 6 7 8 quarters uh, over the course of four games. Um, that's highly beneficial to seeing them as opposed to trying to simulate things in practice. And maybe we're going to go to that scrimmage model. Uh, I know teams have been doing that in the past, mixing that in, uh, practicing with other teams basically, and doing a lot of the things they do for themselves, but more competitively without their teammates. But I just wonder if we start going from four to, you know, to two to we don't really need it, and it's just going to be something that, remember, it's a relic of the past. Remember we had preseason games, you know, in 15 years we look back. Yeah, I don't think that they'll ever abandon them fully. I would hope not. Mm. Maybe cut them in half. But as someone who has coached before, and obviously not at this high level, but you got kids that come to practice and they look good. (laughs) There is no substitute for putting them in a game situation the deer in the headlights look when they're, you know, finally faced up against man on man against somebody else, uh, or a wide receiver that has to instead of on air. Uh, now they've got a defender that they've got to get open. It, it's just a completely different game. And there are some guys that don't practice well, but they show up on game day. They're lunch pail type players. They want to get their nose dirty, and they go out and kill it during a game. They can't replicate that in a practice. And so I do think that they will always keep preseason. I would hope that if they did shorten it, that they wouldn't go beyond two. 
Yep. Uh, just going through a few a few of the news items. Um, I do want to tongue in cheek mention that there was a blurb today that DeAndre Swift looks good uh, in the passing game, and I had yeah, and I had like, to say uh, that water yeah I water is know, wet. <laughs> and I yeah, mean, there you go. who wasn't paying attention at eighteen years old three years ago when when Swift was yeah. you know the uh, you know breaking out as a receiver at Georgia in a stacked depth chart. So I mean, someone who's just catching up to DeAndre Swift as a potential impact wide receiver you know receiver now i mean come on you're a little late for that but um yeah and jonathan williams uh it was signed by the lions and you have kirian johnson sporting a brace on his knee uh we have some moving pieces in detroit uh beyond so and so looks good uh because kirian johnson durability has been his thing i'm sure that was at least a partial factor in them drafting deandre swift and now they get Jonathan Williams there. They still got Bo Scarborough. I mean, they are uh, pretty well stocked if whether or not, you know, Kieran Johnson sports a, uh, a a healthy season this year. Yeah, uh, those are the bits of news that I'm looking for. You know, guys that are injured but will be playing, you know, is it a hamstring? Are they, is it soft tissue? Is it the knee? What is it? And how does that affect the the backups or even who may get a bigger starting role to to begin the season uh and i think that with swift now it's sooner rather than later i like the jonathan williams signing i i like him as a good quality depth back um dynasty wise not so much i mean yeah it's too it's too blocked to pick him up for sure um you know because even let's think back to Bo Scarborough and I think I think Jonathan Williams is a better overall back but I mean Scarborough was the the lead you know in 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 pencil you know in terms of getting the most carries it just didn't amount to much you know I mean I I remember not being that interested in picking him up last year even though he was the lead back down the stretch on a a Matt Matthew Stafford list team but um yeah there are some offenses where the backfield just even you know, normally we go for the second or third, whoever the cheapest backup is and stash them. But when it comes to the Lions, it's not all that sexy. Yeah. And I wanted to ask about the way the 49ers are stacking up because, you know, Jarek McKinnon is back and, you know, healthy now the whole like he looks the best he's ever looked and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it goes, you know, the, the kind of the depth chart and pecking order through practice has been Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, uh, Jerick McKinnon, and then you have Jeff Wilson, Jamichael Hasty, uh, Salvin Ahmed, etc. You know, probably not going to keep five, six guys. But is this something where you know Jeff Wilson, if he's number four, I'm kind of saying that roster spot for me, if I have him, is probably going to go somewhere else rather quickly because he has to be you know a couple injuries away at that point, and it would really base on Jerick McKinnon being healthy, uh, you know, or maybe you know is someone not week one eligible uh, to get him back on the radar? Any 49er backfield thoughts? No, I agree with you. I think it's the top three or bust and especially when you're talking shallow dynasty rosters anything uh, 30 on in i wouldn't even consider um, yeah and that's yeah, one of the ones that you think man it's it's rotational but you're not going to split it that many ways and and tevin right. coleman really i mean i don't think that's a huge hurdle for mckinnon to get over to be frank i mean he did coleman did not look that great last year uh, and, and to me, he took a notable step back from sort of the upside appeal from what I saw at his best in Atlanta. So, you know, I, I think it's shaping up well for Mostert, but this is a rotational thing uh, that, I mean, it's going to be hot hand approach like we saw last year where week to week it could, it could look different. 
right? My biggest who and where is he going to land right now, my biggest question at running back is Devonta Freeman. Yeah. And which injury is finally going to push him into an interview, uh, you know, bring him in, take a look, kick the tires, and then ultimately sign him. That, to me, is my biggest burning question. Yeah, because he's sitting out there and you wouldn't expect him to be unemployed for week one. So we're just, again, we're two, three days in and we've already had, you know, some ACLs, some other injuries. And so it's bound to happen. I mean, again, it's a ticking clock sort of scenario. So... You know, is there a Darius Geist that turns into an Adrian Peterson signing slash role early on in the season and he just ran with that job? Uh, you know, not saying Freeman is on that level, but uh, again, I think that's what he's waiting for. Lamar Miller chose to jump at, at New England, which I, isn't really the same, but hey, he's under contract right now and, and for now he's got a job. So um, that is, you know, just, just jumping at maybe your first opportunity, thinking that it might be your best. I still think Freeman is going to land more of a we- early season role um, just because, I mean, again, you've got a few weeks to go here and just, you know, landmines uh, abound for, for running backs to make it all the way through. I also think um, something that I'm kind of changing here, and again, my, my, my probability bets in May can look different than how it turns out in August. But with the Seattle Seahawks, Chris Carson back with the team practicing, it sounds like, I mean, he's he's kind of ready to go. And, and that really softens the appeal of Carlos Hyde, who now looks like he may be more of a Rashad Penny hedge, uh, that, that Penny is, is most likely headed to pup if I had to make a bet right now. But, you know, right. Carlos Hyde, that would put him as an injury away guy or a committee guy and not someone with a straightforward, you know, Chris Carson doesn't look like he's on track for week one and Carlos Hyde could be the starter. That is not, you know, w- where we're headed right now. So Carlos Hyde could be someone you almost have, have to view him as a handcuff type. And depending on your depth, depending on your other options, that's not an automatic he's going to make my week one roster for dynasty team. I agree with that also. Uh, another one that I found interesting for the buzz, the hype, the news this week, and it it could be absolutely nothing, but Melvin Gordon is having a hard time acclimating to the uh, mile high up in Denver. And so he's been shortness of breath towards the end of practice. You know, it feels like even though he got himself in a shape, it feels to himself like he's not in shape by the end of practice. Yeah. And and Philip Lindsay has been, you know, uh, performing well. Again, this is all, you know, within the, the spectrum of italics, you know, uh, of someone's opinion. But that, that could shape up. Now, I think they paid Melvin Gordon and he's going to get every opportunity. Um, oh, I, I'm yeah, not yeah. disagreeing with that. I'm just saying he may yeah. have an early season yeah sluggish start is all I'm saying from that I'm not I'm not debating that he's not the starter I do believe that he is but if you're an owner I would just be careful of that early in the season especially if they're playing a home game I gotta ask now it'll be different if they're playing on the road uh you know and that may even be a sit start question for somebody like that early in the season if you've got other running backs of similar caliber I gotta ask is Royce Freeman guaranteed a dynasty roster spot in your mind no. Okay. So you no. need to view him now within the prism of so the shine is off. Whatever you thought about him pre-draft, you need to to slough that aside and say, should he as the you know running back three of a depth chart, uh, kind of hoping uh, you know his best opportunity is probably outside Denver at this point with the the end of his contract looming closer, 
and that's almost like a good thing a finish line to maybe a more optimistic showing but but yeah so so you haven't seen enough to say that you're locked in especially i would guess probably what 26 28 man rosters not not oh, guaranteed absolutely not yeah not guaranteed at all the other thing is there has been some bad buzz on him now again it's until it happens it's right. not to be too concerned, but they were saying he may not even make the roster. Well, and I think you have to ask yourself this question. You know, so if, let's say, right, you know, the next day, Melvin Gordon is out, tears his ACL, or he's just out of the picture now, is that a situation where you go, man, uh, I wish I still had Royce Freeman, and I wish, um, you know, and, and now he's going to be attractive and, uh, you know, bid upon relatively aggressively on my waiver wire? And if the answer is yes to that, then you probably hold on to him. If you think the answer is no, and you're still not overly interested, you think it's going to be Philip Lindsay's job, and, you know, maybe you have other questions, then, you know, then it is, you know, time to cut him loose. Because running back, you typically have to ask that if this one thing occurs, would I be in, out? You know, is it is it is it that easy of an answer? Right. And for him... I still think it's a marginal enough answer. I think Lindsay would get the bulk of the carries and then they would just, you know, and he's kind of, and he's kind of going the opposite direction. Like the, you know, that he played heavy last year, you know, or that he's almost ballooning closer to sort of fullback size, you know, than, than traditional running back. I mean, you want these bigger running backs like, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell. Oh, he's in the best shape of it. You know, he started out at 230. Now he's talking about playing at 215 or so. I mean, that's sort of the nice wiggle room you get as a big running back is that you can you can drop a little bit, feel your lightest, you know, be moving really well. And it sounds like Freeman has, you know, been around, I think he was 229 or something when he came into the NFL. And it sounds like he's been there or higher, which isn't a great sign. You know, it's, it's uh, Eddie Lacy type, right? I mean, of just, you're, you're getting, you're really slogging down in terms of your your physique where i mean imagine royce freeman really dedicating kicking butt and you know over the course of his early 18 months or whatever in the nfl he goes from 229 and he's like down to 219 best shape of his life you know that type of stuff i mean who knows in that setting maybe they don't sign melvin gordon maybe you know so i mean there's so many other ways this goes and it just sounds like with Forrest freeman it hasn't been moving in that direction if anything it's moved in the opposite direction here's an analogy i use with with freeman and i have a friend of mine who lives in san diego and he watched royce freeman play some high school football Royce Freeman has always been a giant among men, just like Devin Funches was a giant among, I mean, he's giant among boys. And Devin Funches, same thing. He was a giant among his peers. He went to Michigan. He played soft because it was almost like either he didn't feel like he had to play hard or he felt like he was going to hurt somebody if he did. Royce Freeman got a little bit lazy in high school because he was always the biggest dude and the fastest dude, and he could get away with it. He went to college, and he didn't really improve his work ethic that much more. And so now he's stuck in a rut. He's a big dude that isn't bigger than anybody else and he isn't faster than everybody else and if you don't have a good work ethic you're not going to shine you're not going to get that that nod and he has not separated himself or proved himself if anything he's doing just the opposite he's proving that he cannot be reliable 
Yeah, um, I agree with that. And he's one that you know started out hotter than than how he finished. You know, in terms of not seeing that progression at Oregon, um, he had a lot of positives. You know, on paper, but like you said, you got to keep transitioning. And you know, he fell, he quote unquote, fell in the draft a little bit. You know, based on kind of what you would expect from his profile. Um, and part of that might have been just, you know, did not improve, does not project to the NFL quite as well as, you know, the elite recruit and then uh, obviously performing well over the course of four years. And maybe that was him staying back in college, you know, that final year as well. I remember it was a, a quizzical decision on paper because it seemed like, you know, ready to go after his, his third year. Um, I want to ask, go ahead. And one more, well, one more thing before yeah. we move off this subject. When it comes to Devi players or whether it comes to NFL players, it's the same thing. Like, when you get to the NFL, you think you've got all these specialty coaches. You're going to get coached up. Mm-hmm. You're going to finally, you know, if you don't have a work ethic, they'll beat it into you. They'll make, you know, it's like it's your job. Well, that's not completely the case. They, they spend a lot of time working on installing the playbook. They spend a lot of time working on, making sure that guys are, Where you fit are in the team. doing their job and in their right in their assignment. They're not teaching you how to block. They're not teaching you how to play. There may be a very small amount of teaching, but you either have the fundamentals and the good work ethic or you don't. You just don't. start looking at somebody else. And exactly. And so anyway, that that's all I wanted to finish with on that subject. Yep. Um, what do you think the range of outcomes this year uh, is for A.J. Dillon? I think he's I think he's going to be the RB1 of his team sooner rather than later. Okay. I think he's going to become a featured back. And from everything that I've seen about the guy, he does have a good work ethic and he he's going to shine. Well, he would actually uh, I mean, you see it, I mean, just his dedication to the weight room, right? I mean, yeah. you see the fact that he doesn't miss legs day. Well, he's a big guy that <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't be hard for him to, you know, have a little excess there. And, it, you know, someone that's a legit 240-something, and obviously he doesn't really look it, but it would be easy for him to, you know, get lax and be 265, you know, I'm sure. So, you know, I mean, that it's the Sequan Barkley type thing of, oh, he doesn't look like he's 233 pounds or 235 or whatever it is. And he doesn't move like right. that either. I mean, Yeah, and the fact that good news is coming out about him in the receiving game, you know, and, and just the fact that it sounds like he's transitioning to the NFL and not – and to, to be fair, this may be, you know, not having – you know, this, this offseason specifically with these rookies not being able to do as much, you know, no rookie camp, no – in-depth hands-on type stuff of transitioning to the NFL. It's basically like, here's your playbook. Hello, sign your contract. All right, now go go home or go you're staying near here or whatever, you know, and we'll see you again in a bit. And it turned into a while into August. But you really hear, I mean you hear from Brandon Ayuk, you hear from, you know, AJ Dillon, other guys that it just seems like this transition to, you know, they know the playbook well, you know, better than rookies of other years. I mean it just seems like this is the year that you're kind of left alone a little bit and you're going to learn, you know, who is the self starters in the world and and who aren't um, in terms of, you know, who is ready and who's kind of left behind. And there may be a bigger gap than ever before with this year's rookie class. I, yeah. Yeah. It seems like the tea leaves more and more are, don't be surprised. Like it may not take an Aaron Jones injury for things to flip and Dylan to be getting more touches than anyone else in that backfield in, in given games. 
Like that may happen sooner. I just think they're moving to more of a power run game. He's the guy on that roster that makes complete sense. And I just have a hard time thinking it's going to be a Derrick Henry situation where you really have to wait a long time before you finally started seeing feature workload out of I mean, it feels like 2021 will be the absolute latest when that gas pedal is hit full on with his workload. I mean, because that's what he was doing in college. I mean, he was he's right. used to 30. He's going to be on the sideline in week one. And if he gets like five five touches, it's going to be like, what are we doing here? I haven't seen five touches or less in a game that I'm healthy since when? <laughs> Never in his life, maybe, right? I mean, go. he was yeah. probably the biggest kid on the field. He was the kid that it was like you had to bump him up to a higher higher age range, right? When he was getting in uh, peewee because the other parents were complaining probably. So anyway, um, the other one, uh, let's see, the other running back one I wanted to check on. No, actually, it was uh, the passing game for the 49ers. So we've got... Neg- negative vibes and feelings about Debo Samuel going into week one that right. he may not as far as yeah in terms of just his transition things aren't progressing as quickly as maybe you would have projected three four months ago and he, I wouldn't say the pup is likely but it's possible you know if, if he gets closer to week one you know you got to think if you're three four five weeks away you, you put him on the pup you save a spot but you've also got Jalen Hurd. I mean, another just horrible injury, ACL. So this is a passing game that, I mean, Brandon Ayuk, it's shaping up well for him, maybe Kendrick Bourne, but they've got a lot of potential shift there if Debo Samuel is basically a non-factor to start the year. Yes, and, you know, Des Bryant's been working out. Uh, I They haven't met with him yet. He's met with the Baltimore Ravens, but... From what I've seen on Twitter and the little video clips that Des has posted, he looks to be in great shape, and that could be a very interesting pickup. And a team like San Francisco could be a very nice fit. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I think we also might be in a situation where uh, you might feel comfortable in your wide receiver three four flex uh, putting Brandon Ike in there. Like I, I don't think that's that's yeah. outside the realm of possibility. Um, do you think Jalen Hurd? I mean, for folks that held him. Do you, I mean, IR, again, that may get clogged this year between COVID, between right. other injuries. Is he someone that you're, you're kind of fine throwing out there? And just if someone else wants to stash him, so be it. Or would you stash him, stash him? And then if I run out of spots, he then might be, you know, caught on the cut line because I got to put someone else on there. I think you wait just a little bit until other news is bigger news, and then you cut him. Just so that, you know, people are watching – the news and the waiver wire and if two things happen concurrently it kind of rings a bell maybe I should stash them type of thing but if you wait just a week or two and and you've got time to wait a week or two just let this news die down some other news is about to pop up that's going to be bigger and then drop him and it nobody will even notice and he'll stay there for the whole season Katie I want to give you a softball and please tease me with some (laughs) very pointed comment but is it is it is it how crazy is it that I still have my ears perk up when I found out the 49ers were signing Tavon Austin. He keeps roping me back in. <laughs> Not in like I own him. Did anyway. you say Kristen Michael? No, no Did you I say didn't. Kristen no, Michael? that would have been worse. <laughs> and you could have you could have put on five minutes of, of comedy stick. But um, but Tavon Austin, I just he keeps sticking around a little bit. And this is another uh, another feather in the cap of top ten picks get chances, <laughs> tons of chances. But uh, but again, I'm not picking him up anywhere, but he, he piqued my interest there signing with the 49ers. 
What, you have no interest with J.J. Nelson? <laughs> he also signed same, uh, no, I got same you. day. And they signed Jordan I mean, Reed. And, you know, so, I mean, they're, they're putting pieces together, you know, and that's, it, it's a system. They're putting bodies. They're putting bodies. That's got, for hey, sure. Hey, it's conducive enough running back or in the passing game that you say, you know what? Some, somebody gets some usage. I remember people were picking up Kyle Juszczyk, right? I mean, uh, an actual H-back, tight, uh, H-back uh, fullback, you know, that, oh, he catches some passes. Let me pick him up in best ball. So we were there. Um, let me see. Uh, what do you think about Denver's uh, passing game uh, in terms of are you worried about Cortland Sutton? Uh, if KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy are progressing well, going to be integral parts, uh, unless Drew Locke is the oracle, there is going to be a clear-cut, overvalued loser. And you can throw in Noah Fant as well. I mean, in terms of this passing game, there will be winners and losers this year because there's just too many bodies to feed targets. Yeah, there will be. Uh, I'm I'm not that concerned about Cortland Sutton. He's been there. He's done that. He's big. He's physical. Okay. He's going to be a good target for a young quarterback, and more so than, you know, I'm I'm not concerned with Hamler taking any any touches or carries or uh, catches away. Judy really depends on how things go, but I I'm not concerned with Cortland Sutton. Okay, I think he's going to be the wide receiver one there. And wide receiver one, you, do you think he could? improve upon he was a wide receiver i think 25 to 30 last year um do you think he can bump that up or is that uh there there might be a a tempered ceiling there i think there's a tempered ceiling just with the quarterback situation for now but you know in dynasty that's still a good yeah that's still a a good wide receiver especially if you've got to start three or three or five uh yeah um and also i wanted to use this piece of piece of news as more of a talking point globally than specifically about this player, but Denzel Mims and others, um, he had a ha- he injured his hamstring. It sounds like, and again, I just want to caution folks that when you get that, you know, these injuries or the slow starts, uh, we saw that with Odell Beckham as sort of the most glaring example historically. But I mean, don't expect a you know a, a, a fast start from Denzel Mims. The fact that you know if you have a soft tissue and you're pretty much on the shelf. You know, and we know that the the recurrence rate. Uh, look at Will Fuller. I mean, or Miles Austin, etc. I mean, hamstrings are are one that man don't uh, a groin, a hamstring. It can it can pop back on you, and all of a sudden it's going to double your recovery time the next time you tweak it. So, uh, you know, this is and there's a lot of them right yeah. now. It's not just Denzel Mims, and it's not just that he's a rookie, but DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green. Right. Uh, and that's yeah, why the kid, and that's why the kid gloves treatment. But but specifically with rookies and young players, you would, like Denzel Mims. A lot of the talk was it's a wide open depth chart. You know he he could get the, one of the most targets of of the wide receiver rookies this year. You know, but they've got Jamison Crowder, they've got Brashad Perriman, uh, Chris Herndon's a, a question mark. But the point is, it's not like they have nobody. And so Mims not getting if this is the end of him in terms of getting live fire Sam Darnold reps in camp, then. I mean, you, you got to expect, I mean, they're, they're not waiting for you. And so that progression in season of getting back into the mix without preseason, you missed a lot with your hamstring or whatever injury it is during camp in August, it's going to be tough is my, my big point. And so especially, you know, where's that line for you in terms of the rookie picks that you made? You made them for a reason. I mean, Denzel Mims was what, a top 20, you know, maybe even top 15, 16 pick in your league. 
And that's something that don't don't be overzealous in terms of man. You know he's getting off to a sluggish start. He hasn't played. You know it's been two or three games, and now he's finally getting ramped up. It might be p- till midseason, and then frankly, this is the type of thing that could make it. You know he got 32 targets this year. Like it really was um, a quasi lost year, and it might have been a little different if he had not you know had this in- singular injury. But I just want to remind folks that you do not want to base your your ownership. Uh, of a player that you drafted with decent draft capital um, just a few months ago, you're not buying that for September and October and November of their rookie year. And so this is not a reason to just, Oh, I'm going to sell Denzel Mims for a 21 third, you know, to clear the roster spot. Like you're clearing it for what purpose? So I just, I just want to remind folks that like you need to have patience with a certain line in the sand or higher of your rookie picks. I'm not talking about fourth rounders, but I'm saying, I mean, especially someone in the second round and probably most of the players you drafted in the third round, and that's how you should be drafting. Otherwise, why aren't you trading that for a future pick of a higher probability or ilk for for a a higher round or whatever just because if you're going to have that little allegiance with that player, uh, you know, that it's basically a priority free agent pickup. And Mims is above that, but there's going to be more was my point. Right. This year's class was so deep that you were getting guys in the third round that you would normally get in the second round of most years. And with COVID and the shortened preseason, the shortened camps, it's going to wreak havoc on our rosters and those final decisions. But you do have to have patience to a certain extent for those guys that normally would have been in the second round of most drafts you got to find a way to, if you've already got them, to hold on to them and make other roster moves. But stay patient. They're not going to get off to the greatest start, more than likely. And uh, this is, uh, I remember, Katie, one of your bigger, you had a story, I believe. It was a specific to one of your leagues. Me? No. You? no. no I didn't remember that at all. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, super flex last year. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I think you had a, one league that you were really light at quarterback or it was a, uh, a perfect storm of injuries or missed time, but uh, he's going to be on track. He, he's kind of that guy, you know, that uh, that ant or that insect that you just can't squash. I mean, he just he. Uh, the last report is, I mean, expect him, and and I kind of expected this during the offseason, even after Tua, especially after you know that it's not that they drafted Joe Burrow or someone else that Tua would be someone that would probably benefit a little bit from uh, just a little extra time. And Miami, are they really going anywhere? So I mean. Expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to be the week one starter, churning out. Now, how many does he get? We'll see. But, uh, again, <laughs> I mean, Fitzmagic, like you said, I mean, he has turned into, over the last few years, Superflex gold because of how many starts you've gotten from him, the fact that his upside, because he creates some negative environments for himself to dig out of, and, you know, he's one of those DGAF quarterbacks that's just going to sling it around. And it's all been good from a fantasy and dynasty front because he's never been highly valued, and yet he's returned quite a bit. And I will even go so far as to say he's a start one gem because if you can get a guy like him late, that means you're getting other skill positions earlier. And in redraft, if you don't get a stud quarterback early, which most peop- there are a lot of people that go with that strategy, and they do, if you wait and wait and wait, you're going to be gifted Ryan Fitzpatrick late in the draft and you've padded all the other positions 
fantastic. And if he does only last half a season, there's going to be plenty of guys on the waiver wire in a start one quarterback league with 12 teams. You will find somebody to plug and play. You don't even have to carry a second quarterback, if especially if he's got a later bye week. I would just go with the one dude, and you're fine, completely fine. Yeah, and I've got a situation or two where we'll see. I might have not have a starter on my roster, you know, head projected for week one, but Fitzpatrick is definitely on my short list. You know, for for leagues that yeah. if there are no, and I still say there's going to be one, maybe two depth charts that. We'll get some sort of clarity. Someone's going to miss week one. Is that an injury? Is that COVID? Ineligible? Something is going to occur. And that guy is probably, well, especially in a start one, but maybe even in Superflex, that now streamable starter, uh, next man up mentality is going to be on your waiver wire. And so just keep holding out, just keep holding out. But I got to imagine, I mean, even if you had to trade for somebody, why would someone, if Fitzpatrick is their quarterback three or something on their depth chart, I mean, what's the most that they you would have to give up to get them? I mean, a fourth? Trading your third to a fourth? I mean, I don't even... I mean, it would be very marginal in the asking price because that's probably going to be one of the first players they would cut. You know, when you get one to two, three weeks into the season, if you've got two other quarterbacks that you value in Dynasty higher. Yep, exactly. Um, any other players or, or depth charts that you're just kind of keeping a side eye on right now in terms of maybe there's news or maybe the lack of news or maybe it's just an interesting part of how is this going to play out uh, to where we, we end up getting clarity when the season starts? I just, uh, Washington, uh, you know, there's so much up in the air. Dwayne Haskins, is he going to be the guy? Alex Smith is finally <laughs> walking around and, and you know, what a comeback story. And, and will he get any play this year? Could be if, if the second-year quarterback struggles. You got Adrian Peterson now at the top of the list with Darius Geis out and Antonio Gibson probably not ready to assume that role with the uh, lack of use in college. But, man, he's got – skills that are dripping like just his intangibles how they use him is going to be interesting Bryce Love how he he's used Peyton Barber does this give him a new opportunity uh a lot depends on Adrian Peterson and then the receiving core you've got Terry Mm -hmm. McLaurin and then what Steve Sims Antonio Gandy Golden Trey Quinn you know it gets thin quickly uh Cody Latimer hanging on to the back end of that roster is interesting, but I think that he's he still got, coming yeah, off he got an injury or injured or something. Yeah, yeah. So and Bryce and Bryce Love, just even... to add one more point, Bryce Love out there with no knee brace. So I mean, he is absolutely good to go, and uh, dynamic speed. Not that Ant- Antonio Gibson doesn't have dynamic speed too, but uh, two interesting names there, and then obviously Adrian Peterson, and Peyton Barber are different types of players at this but right. how about Adrian Peterson as another guy who you know if you had him a couple of years ago look at how many possible starts and quality touches he's had over you know now we're working on what a third season right I mean he has been such a huge his career looks so different just because of Darius Geis's lack of durability right I mean yeah and well now now not not complete durability as well but just I mean they signed him and it was just right away boom 200 and something touches and and they've just been rolling them since. So, but now it feels like time is is running out on that. Even though you could probably start them as your running back two, or flex to start the year um, beyond you know beyond the first few weeks. Game on in terms of 
how does Bryce Love look? How does Gibson look? Because uh, th- that's an offense that definitely needs some uh, some firepower. They found it last year with McLaurin, but you know where's the other dynamic play? Uh, I don't know where it is, but Love and and Gibson are certainly the best candidates to provide it this year. Yes. Um, do you have a deep tight end play? We do have some some machinations going on. Maybe it's a two tight end sort of scenario. Do you have anyone that you're kind of holding out hope on potential week one starter? Uh, maybe a, ba- a a bounce back from someone that's relatively off the grid uh, that you are just warming to as a sleeper type. Well, uh, he shouldn't seem to need to be considered a sleeper, but he is because of his own injury history. But Tyler Eifert in Jacksonville now has wide open with Josh Oliver out for the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been picking up lots of shares of him this off season, stashing him with the hopes that he would bounce back. And we'll see. He now has... Wide open, wide open opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you look at that team, it's almost like Washington, right? You say it's there's one guy, DJ Chark, and then you say, what? What else is there? Right. And if you say Gardner Minshew is decent, then there's there's going to be some, some, some targets available. And Eifert, this seems like the perfect storm. I mean, and the you know the whole, he's actually post-post type sleeper, right? I mean, because he's, what, right, right, five yeah. years removed from that, Matt? I, I believe he had something like... It, I, I think it was 18, 20 touchdowns, something like that over, you know, basically it was two seasons, but it was basically like a season and a half of games, something like that. I mean, we're, we're far removed, but that was the peak. And I, I just, you know, a first round tight end, he's still hanging around. And certainly this feels like his best opportunity, probably this point forward, this probably feels like the best chance situationally to have a clear run, you know, and maybe average five, six, seven targets a game. It's possible. Yeah. So Eifert is, is definitely a good one. If he's out there probably takes, let's call it 25 and under, um, but a man rosters. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of those week one streamer types, I would mention, uh, the one thing that perked my ears up a little bit is, you know, a lot of people assumed, and maybe this is more of a, I'm trying to think if it was pre-draft, but that Jay Sternberger, you know, Jimmy Graham is gone, Jay Sternberger lock and load in green Bay, but, uh, but there's legit, you know, Robert Tanyan who they like and who is a good athlete and has made some plays. Um, that he could, you know, be right there for that that starting job. I don't know if starting tight end there is going to have, you know, top eight upside. But if you can attach to Aaron Rodgers, if they get the, you know, play action and, and power running game going, uh, and they have wide receiver two plus questions, um, that that is just yes. an interesting one. I think obviously Sternberger is owned, but he was healthy for a few games last year. Didn't really do anything. Tanyan has made a few plays. So we'll see. I mean, they could be rocking, you know, Alan Lazard could be an upside guy at, at wide receiver and Robert Tanyan could be an actual fantasy factor at tight end, which would be interesting considering they've spent a lot more capital on other players at both positions, you know, since Devontae Adams, they've been in that search pretty much for, yeah. for wide receiver. And other than Jimmy Graham, they're trying to get something going at tight end. So well, with the salary cap, the way that it is, you're going to have to have somebody step up at a position that you're not overpaying uh football teams have to have that so 
it it will be that's a good call uh final thoughts katie in terms of managing your teams we've got uh i mean it seems like daily you know i'm making a list of stuff that you know i'm recording these little eight to ten minute shows on kind of the things of the day um but you know how are you helping folks if they're asking questions managing your roster from now to week one uh one one just thing thing i would add and then and then throw it over to you is man if you have x amount of waiver bucks Really make really remember is what I would say of not being overzealous now because there's just going to be a number of shifts and more guys viable in a higher level from the waiver wire than any other season I imagine. So man, you if you are are already down twenty thirty percent forty percent of your budget by week one, that's not a great scenario just because you don't know how many bullets or darts you're going to have to throw in season. Uh, just by your own depth charts changing. Um, so that would be one thing is I, I don't mind the $1 here, $3 here, you know, just drips. But uh, but that would be my one piece of advice. What about you? Mine is just a reminder to stay patient and don't overreact. Don't, <laughs> don't cheat yourself based on news or hype or or different things. Injury is one thing. There's always a way to stash those injured players. But I read something on Twitter the other day. A person made a dynasty trade. Mm -hmm. They traded XYZ running back. I'm not even going to say who it is. Rookie running back that they got in the second round. And they traded him for a 2021 second plus Eno Benjamin. And I'm sorry, but the dripping upside of that particular player and their their whole thing was i didn't really like the player okay that's great you don't have to like a player to get the value that they deserve and if they're in the upswing mode and you can be patient you can get the bank for the guy don't sell yourself short just because you may not like a guy or that may not be your guy this is dynasty and you want to maximize whatever you can not undersell just because eh, I don't like the guy. Yep. That's a great point. Know the market. You know, I I was almost thinking of the phrase, know the room, you know, that while you were talking of, Hey, you may, you you may have a different gauge of what the room is, but, uh, but maybe ask someone else, you know, what, what's the room (laughs) because, but yeah, like kicking the can and going sideways, you know, or getting this small incremental and and this is different. Like you, you had mentioned previously about earlier in the show about flipping, you know, a player of marginal importance and, you know, a, a player you just drafted in the second round a few months ago is not of marginal importance. So right. keep, just keep that in mind. This is different than flipping Eno Benjamin, you know, for like a 2021 20, third. And you paid 407 or something like on the, the sparse right. bit of, up, you know, up, up, uptick promise or, or news or whatever. That's that's a good example of what you said previously. And like you said, selling for what is what a fourth round rookie pick this year and a future second for what you paid for a second is not that that's completely I, and like you said a player that that has some buzz or some upside potential without naming names um all right so um that's going to do it this week do you want to uh say that if you want to support the show no advertising we talk straight through for 40 plus minutes um patreon.com slash uth tim is on the weekly feature show we talk uh we're going to talk waiver wire in depth every week of the regular season um, I also talked about the, the August mindset in depth recently did a, a post on Jay Sternberger and his comps um, after a, um, a relatively invisible year one. Uh, so plenty of stuff on the waiver wire, uh, the weekly feature show, but also uh, we're going to start doing
doing uh, weekly in season and we have another one coming up next week, a VIP strategy session um, where we, we have a live strategy call, which is a whole lot of fun. Uh, just live fire questions and topics and strategies for, for what matters most to, to some of the best dynasty owners out there. Um, so want to remind folks about that and uh, was able to, on the, on the premium side of UTH, was able to cover about 20 prospects uh, the, of the various skill positions in the 2021 eligibles. Some of those players, depending on their conference, may or may not be playing games this year. So that is close to complete until we get to the NFL Combine, etc. for for their profiles. Um, so you can check that out on the Premium Podcast, Trade Calculator, as well as Rankings and uh, all the in-depth uh, content that you need to have your best dynasty season yet. And that's UTHdynasty.com. Katie Flower, between episodes, you can find her at FF underscore Skylar 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Until then, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.